It was almost 30 years ago. I remember the moment just so very clearly. It was at a church building. I was serving with that church as a youth intern. I was learning how to do youth ministry. And this wasn't one of those occasions where I was doing youth ministry per se. It was just one of those moments when you, you know, as church staff, you're in the building and you're working together and we were just having a conversation about general generalities, nothing real specific, but then the conversation took an interesting turn that I'll never forget. We're going to talk about that today. I, I want to invite you to open your Bibles. We are in the, a series called The Summit, and it basically is a sermon series on the greatest sermon ever preached, which is by Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 is where you want to be, and as you turn there, I'll tell you what ensued in the conversation. Uh, you got these three, four, five individuals who work at a church, and we got on the subject of sin. And uh, it was interesting to me that one of the workers there at the church said, you know, I understand intellectually that I'm a sinner, but when I think objectively about my life, I, I'm really, I don't know that I really meet the standard. I, I'm not a really that bad of a person. I, I know the people that I work with, uh, my family, my friends, uh, and I just don't, I, I haven't committed any of the big ones. And uh, I was perplexed by that. As an 18-year-old, I didn't really know how to answer or, or the right thing to say, but it occurs to me that sometimes we measure ourselves by entirely the wrong standard. In fact, that's what Jesus talks about today. Now, if you haven't been here, you, you need to know a little bit of background. One is Matthew's written to the Jewish people. It's written by a Jewish former tax collector named Matthew, also called Levi. He, he was writing to a Jewish audience. And so a lot of the things that he writes will be familiar to a, a people that love and revere the Old Testament. He didn't have any of the New Testament at this time, but, but he's pointing out things that only Israelites, the only Jewish people would know from their study of the word, from the things that their parents had told them, uh, from the things that they saw happening in the temple with the priests. Uh, these, this was their world, and Jesus is presenting to them a different standard of righteousness. The Sermon on the Mount, really, if you think about it, is, is the king of kings preaching about his kingdom. And, and he gets, you know, as all good sermons, start with a hook, start with something to draw your interest. He starts with the Beatitudes. And he, he draws their interest by, by these sayings that talk about our heart posture that's needed to come into the kingdom and needed to be a part of the kingdom. So, I have a question for you. And it's a simple one, but it's one that requires some thought. How good are you? But I, I know this is not the time when, you know, the difference between the class and sermon is, is the expected audience participation. So you're all sitting there saying, it's your turn to talk. 
I get that. So you really can't tell me the answer to the question, or as you might answer it. So I'll have to answer it as I would answer it. And if I'm just completely honest, here it is. By the world's standard, I'm a pretty righteous person. By the world's standard, I haven't done a lot of things that would put me in the category of bad. If you just think of good and bad, uh, I I think I would probably pass the world's test. Uh, I've I've never committed a felony. Uh, All of the crimes I've committed have been fairly minor in nature. Uh, We don't need to go into previous stories. I've never had a single drop of liquor. Ever. I've never gambled. I've never partaken of any illegal drugs. I I, I was chased until until marriage. I've been faithful to my wife of almost 25 years. I go to church nearly every Sunday. Sunday night and Wednesdays too, just for bonus points. I don't mean to brag. I I give. I I pray. I I read my Bible. I eat the Lord's chicken. I partake of the holy bird. But you see, when I answer the question, I am answering the question by my standard of good. As Jesus is preaching to an audience... He is preaching to a people who loved the word. There was a certain group of people who, who devoted their entire lives to the word, memorizing it and, 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 and pouring over it and debating it and discussing it. Their standard was much higher than mine. But... By God's standard, I'm not even close to righteous. You see, my standard of righteousness is mostly outward and behavior-based. It's concerning things that you can see and, and concerning things that you can look at objectively. And those things, quite honestly, are very easy to cover up. I brought something that I, as an, and as an example, an illustration, I have within my desk drawer, you probably can't see what it is, but it is a little bit of breath spray. I'm a coffee drinker, so, you know, I'm, I'm always sort of self-conscious about my breath. I brush my teeth and all of that, but, but the breath spray is so that you all don't have to be coffee drinkers as you talk to me. Well, what does the breath spray do? It simply masks so that you can't smell it. That's my standard of righteousness. That's my standard of good. The world has a lower standard. Uh, Some people have a higher standard. But, But the truth is, when it comes to God's standard, I'm not even close. And we're going to 
talk about that because Jesus says exactly that when it comes to people who think they're good and comes to people who think they're righteous. Those are the people that are hardest to convict of their need for the gospel. You see, if I'm honest and I I let you peer a little bit inside Toby's heart, I can tell you I'm self-centered, I'm arrogant, I'm prideful, I'm stubborn, I'm impatient, I'm quick-tempered, and I'm gluttonous. If I'm honest, if I let God's standard be the standard to judge my heart, I fall way short. Those are just the ones I told you about. The truth is, you're the same. When we look at God's standard, no one is good by God's standard of good. The scripture says there is none righteous. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Whether you think your sins are big or minuscule, all of us miss the mark. And God's standard judges us so much harder than just the outward and the things that are easy to see and the things that are easy to mask. No, he delves right to the heart of the matter. And so, when we think about that no one is good, not me, not the elders, not Steve Tandy, or your grandmother, the the people that we have the highest esteem for, we understand that in light of God's standard, none of us measure up. You're in Matthew chapter 5. I hope you're in Matthew 5. Verse 17 is where we're going to start as Jesus gives us the very best insight into his standard of righteousness. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Christ here is confirming that what we would consider the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi, is the inspired, inerrant, authoritative word of God. Every jot, every iota is perfect. And and he goes on to say, it will never pass away. He says, I didn't come to abolish these commands, but to fulfill them. You see, for the Jewish people, for the Jewish audience who's listening to this sermon, God's law and prophets, they governed Everything that they did. It wasn't just a once a week kind of thing. It governed their daily lives, their family interactions, their Sabbath. Every part of it was governed by these 613 rules that God had in place. 
And for the elect few, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, they were even more so. They read it. They studied it. They memorized it. They listened to it. They thought about it. They debated it. They separated into camps of different kinds of teaching. And Jesus said, this law, these prophets that you know and with which you are so familiar are the standard of righteousness. I didn't come to abolish that. I didn't come to say it didn't matter. I've come to do what no one else can do, and that is I've come to fulfill every single command. Jesus was perfectly righteous. He fulfilled the standard without fail. So I'm going to ask you some more questions for you to think about if you think about how good you are. Have you ever told a lie? I mean, I'm not talking like a big, life-changing kind of lie, but just a little lie, maybe just a half-truth that sort of made things easier for you or didn't have to go into a situation or you avoided a person. It was not the whole truth, just a half-truth or, in other words, a whole lie. Well, if you have, the standard of God's law calls you a liar. You ever stolen anything? You ever taken something that didn't belong to you? I don't mean like you robbed a bank. I don't mean like you you went in, defrauded billions of dollars. I mean, have you ever stolen anything? Did you take a a pen from work? Did you you take some food that wasn't yours? Did Did you ever take anything? that didn't properly belong to you, the standard calls you a thief. So I'm not that bad a thief. I mean, it's not what, it didn't hurt anybody. Do you ever use God's name in vain? Did you ever utter the holy name of God Almighty in an irreverent, and vain way? Maybe you were frustrated. Maybe you were righteously angry. Maybe you were, maybe you just lost control of yourself for just a half a second. But the law, the perfect standard, calls you a blasphemer. You ever committed adultery? I don't mean like you, 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 cheated on your spouse in a physical way and you went off with another person and destroyed your family, that, that's one form of adultery. But, but Jesus says, if you've ever looked at a person with the intent to lust, the standard is that you are an adulterer. You have sex before marriage? Sex with someone who is not your spouse? The standard calls you a fornicator. We 
can go on and on for the rest of the sermon and make you way more uncomfortable than you are right now. But I do that to show you that Jesus, when he preached, didn't have in mind our standard of righteousness, which is so easy, is so easy to overcome and so easy to fulfill. He had in mind God's standard of righteousness, which is pure and perfect and infinite and unchanging. And when we measure ourselves against that standard, no one stands. The bad news, whether common folks or elite, whether smart or dumb, whether intellectual or simpletons, no matter what culture you are, no matter no what party you're in, no matter what, what person, no matter your background, no matter your story, the bad news is this, and it is no one meets God's standard. To this point, when Jesus is preaching the sermon over 1,500 years, no one, despite their best efforts, kept it perfectly. And some really did try. You see, when we look at the law, when we look at the standard, the perfect, righteous, inerrant, complete Word of God, we look at it and it judges us as lawbreakers. James chapter 2 verse 10, if you like to follow along or you want to jot that down, James says this, the brother of Jesus says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. I don't know about you, that seems mighty tough. You're saying I could keep all 612 commands in the written word of God and miss it by one? And that's not good enough for God? And I say to you, that's correct. It's not because God's harsh, it's because God's holy and righteous. See, when we think about sin, we typically think of the sin of other people, the transgressions of others. But when we judge ourselves by the law that Jesus preached on, there's bad news for us. In fact, Romans chapter 3 spells out the hope of the gospel so perfectly. But the Apostle Paul has to set up the case that we all miss it. Now, he starts out with a big list of sins in Romans 1, and you think you're doing pretty good. Well, I haven't done this, and I haven't done that, and that's that's really bad. And then it gets into smaller sins like disobeying your parents. And you go, whoa. And then he hits it, Romans chapter 3, verse 20. He says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified. If you try to measure up by this standard, you'll miss it every time. And see, to enter the kingdom, you've got to be good by the king's standard. 
You've got to be good, not by your standard or the world's standard, but by God's perfect standard. Now you're just saying, wait, you're looking at me, you're like saying, wait a minute, you just told me that I missed the mark. That's right. You told me that I, that I don't measure up. That's correct. But you also told me that I must meet that standard to be a part of the kingdom. And that's right too. And we, like the audience of Jesus' day, are left to wonder about that. I want you to think about it like this. I want you to imagine, just for a moment, a sheep. A white sheep. Now, if you're not imaginative, I've done the imagining for you, okay? What color is the sheep? The sheep, of course, is white. How white? That's pretty white. But what if we put that little sheep against a pure white background? Let's pretend like the sheep's in a blizzard, okay? Now, it's the same sheep, but an entirely different background that makes all the difference. See how this sheep seems so much dirtier than that sheep? The danger is in thinking like this sheep. So what we do when we come to God's standard is we take the same sheep and put them in front of an entirely different background. And against that perfect, righteous, unchanging standard of God, all of our flaws, all of our sins, no matter how small they may seem, become readily apparent. By God's standard, even the best of us are dirty. So we keep reading, Matthew chapter 5. Now we're about verse 18. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Jesus is is saying here that the law is important. We we ought not ignore it. There's no reason to just say that it, well, we don't, it doesn't really apply. And and, and it's, you know, Jesus is saying God's standard of righteousness never changes. But then he says this, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds, that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, now this can be even more puzzling. You're saying that I don't meet the standard. That's correct. Yes, you do not meet the standard. Okay, and you're saying, but I have to meet the standard to be in the kingdom. That's right. And, and now Jesus says that my righteousness must surpass the most righteous people they knew. We pick on the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, and rightly so, and Jesus did too. But they, when it comes right down to it, they objectively were really, really righteous people. Look at what the Word says about these scribes, Pharisees, and teachers of the law. How righteous were they? Well, my answer is pretty righteous. They were evangelistic. Jesus said that they would travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. 
Can I ask you, how many of you have traveled across sea and land to convert a single person to Christ? I haven't. They tithed. They don't only tithe on their income, they tithe on everything. Jesus said, for you tithe the mint and the dill and the cumin. I have never, and I'm a pretty good person, but I have never tithed on my spice rack. That's a level of righteousness that I can't even begin to picture. They were law observant. Jesus said to them, you clean the outside of the cup. Which was a tradition of hand washing and it was done for a holy purification. They weren't just doing that out of legalism. They were doing that so that they would be pure. They took it so seriously. And they were righteous. Jesus tells the account of a Pharisee who prayed thus. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give tithes of all that I get. I, I just bring that up to say that they, they prayed. They fasted, sometimes twice a week. They, they were righteous. They wanted to live righteously, and they tithed on everything that they get. And so, preacher, if I'm putting this together, if I'm following you, I think that I am a pretty smart person. You're saying to me that I don't meet the standard. That's correct. And you're also saying to me that there's no way, objectively, that I can do it on my own. That's right. That's exactly right. But you're saying that I have to meet that standard to be able to be in the kingdom of God. That's correct. And you're saying to me that that standard is even higher than good, God-fearing men who tithe, fasted, and prayed every week. Yes. That is correct. And that should be convicting. Because it is. All of our righteousness, according to the prophet Isaiah, is like this. All our, this is Isaiah 64, verse 6, by the way, if you want to follow along in the Old Testament. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So not only is it impossible for us to keep it, even the good that you and I do isn't good enough. When you hear someone say, you know, I'm I'm basically a good person. No, they're not. If you've ever said, you know, I'm basically a good person. No, you're not. When you get on... Judgment Day, as you're standing in line, if there's lines, I don't know how it's going to work, but if you're standing there and you're, you're, you're getting ready to meet your maker, are you going to start coming up with a list? Everybody has a list, don't they? The ways in which you measure up. The good that you've done. Think about it. You know it. I mean, you know it. I mean, you think about it, you've done some pretty good things. You ever think about that? You think, man, I'm just, I'm kind of good. I give. I helped out here. I listened to this person here. Yeah, I think I really am. I'm not the perfect, but I've done some good. The prophet Isaiah says, 
you stack all of your good, every single bit of good that you've done, and you put it in front of an almighty God, and it's like a pile of filthy, disgusting rags. I don't want to get too crude here, but the rags were in an age when they didn't have toilet paper and hygiene products. That's what the rags were used for. Isaiah says, you put all your good in a pile and it's about the same worth in God's eyes. What's the answer? Well, I can only think of two. One is God compromises the standard, which you cannot do. Two is he justly condemns the sheep. All of them are filthy. All of them unrighteous. And that, well, that leaves us fairly hopeless. But the good news is, and this is gospel, is that instead of condemning dirty sheep, God sends the perfect lamb of God. We're still in Isaiah if you're If you've kept your finger there, turn to Isaiah 53, just a few chapters back. He's describing here the suffering servant. It's a picture of Jesus. He says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Now, now look at verse 6. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him. The iniquity of us all. God did for you and me what we could never do for ourselves. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Not just to live its demands perfectly... But he was doing even more than that. He was fulfilling the law's demands that said these are liars, adulterers, fornicators, and they'd all deserve death. And Jesus says, yes, they do. And I'm here to fulfill that demand. Jesus lived the standard perfectly. He kept its impossible demands. And in 33 years, Jesus never broke a single command. Not one. Not outwardly, nor inwardly. And his perfection earned him a righteous death. Turn to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5.21, which I think if there's one, <laughs> one single verse that spells the gospel, it's 2 Corinthians 5.21, and it's this. For our sake, he 
he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. Jesus lived it perfectly inside and out for 33 years, and he was treated as one who had broken every single jot and tittle, who had crossed every iota, who had, who had absolutely disobeyed. That's how he was treated. He made him who, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, you see, as the Lamb, is God's perfect, best, and highest standard of righteousness. And He is the only way, the only way, that any of us can meet God's righteous standard. His righteousness surpasses your righteousness, which you already knew. His righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. His righteousness is perfect in every way. And so if you want to be in the kingdom of God, the only way to do that is in Christ Jesus, the Lamb of God. Is the only way, the only way that I can think of. You see, the bad news is that you aren't good enough to get into the kingdom. You just aren't. You don't measure up. But the good news is he is. He's the only one who's truly good and completely righteous. He's the only way that we can be declared righteous in God's sight. Though our sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. Not because of us. Not because of how good we are. But because of how perfect He is. I want to encourage you this morning to stop trying to come to God on your terms. Please don't buy into the lie that you in any way, form, or fashion are anywhere close to the goodness and righteousness of God. You aren't. I'm not. No one is. And yet God's word is always the same and always true. He is the answer. He is the way. He is the only righteousness that surpasses all those standards and meets all of this standard. If you're ready to be a part of the kingdom of God and you're not in Christ, you're not yet part of the kingdom, the good news is you can change that today. If you're ready to come to repent of your sin, to confess your faith in Christ, to be immersed into him, you can be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not based on anything that you've done, but based only and forever on everything that He has done. If you have that need, or if you're in the kingdom and you've been distracted and discouraged, maybe you've 
been caught up in some sins and you need to repent or you need to have the prayers of our shepherds. be glad to help you with that as well. If you have a spiritual need of any type, why don't you head to the back during this next song as we continue our worship.